Life's hard. Let's talk about it over some tea. Welcome to Tea and Transitions, where we serve up stories on the dynamic lives of women of color as they navigate through life's cold, lukewarm, and steamy moments. I'm Vina Vo, a planner, facilitator, and today your personal tea snob. And I'm Odelia, a writer and educator trying to not spill too much tea. So grab your favorite cup or mug and let's get right into some TNT. Morning, Vina. So tell us a little bit about what we're sipping today. I'm tasting some sweet notes. Yes, um, today we have such a super special treat. Um, this tea is called Big Red Robe. It's an oolong from the Wuyi Mountains in the Fujian region in China. It's Fujian is one of my favorite, favorite regions for tea. And this tea is probably one of my absolute favorites. It was gifted by a friend. Um, and it's just been like a staple in my like home, in my home kitchen. Um, so you're right. There's a lot of sweet notes to it. And that's what makes it so unique and special. It's very aromatic in smell. So when you smell it, it has this unique like sweetness to the oolong, but also the aftertaste is really sweet. Um, but what makes it really fascinating is though there's also like this kind of like woodsy flavor that comes to it. So if you're familiar with eating wood ear mushrooms, like it kind of tastes like the second bite of a wood ear mushroom, if that makes any sense at all. But um, it's- Why not the first bite? Because you know, the first bite, you're just kind of just getting in there and you're not really tasting it yet. But the second bite is when your like saliva mixes with um, the mushroom itself. And so it just coats your tongue. <laughs> it sounds mm, a little crazy. Saliva. I'm sure all of our listeners here are salivating. <laughs> Saliva mixing, yeah. Sorry, sorry, y'all. Um, but the actual name of this, and I may pronounce this incorrectly, it's um, Da Hong Pao. So highly recommend. Go check it out. Beautiful tea, beautiful color, and um, also beautiful stories. So a lot of teas have legends attached to it, and there are so many legends, but the best thing about legends is that you pick your favorite one. So my favorite legend about this tea is that, you know, a long, 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 long time ago, there was an empress who was from the Wuyi Mountains area. Um, and she was living, you know, her grand life with her emperor, but she was feeling really sick and ill. And people thought that perhaps it was some sort of homesickness. So the emperor, as the emperor does, sends a proclamation to the land saying, my, my empress is sick, she's dying, we need like anyone who can provide any kind of help, please come forth. So this very pious farmer who loves the empress and considers her like a local hero from the Wuyi Mountains area went and harvested this tea and sent it over by a messenger to the king. And so the king in all his desperation or emperor in all his desperation was like, all right, let me try to brew up, you know, these leaves with some hot water and let me give it to the empress. And legend has it that upon it touching her lips, she just awoke from her like deep slumber or like her, her sickness. And so the emperor rejoiced, the emperor, empress rejoiced. And um, the story is to thank this farmer, the emperor sent over some big red robes as a symbol of like royal, um, like royal thanks essentially. And so that's the story of big red robe. I love that. I love knowing just like 
you know, how did something get a name like that? And we experience it. And like, I feel like now when I drink this tea, I'm going to experience it differently now that I know this legend. Uh, but just thinking about people coming together and, you know, being able to be together reminds me of what we're talking about today, which is touch. And I've been thinking a lot about touch this year because it's something that has been really absent in my life. And I'm someone who really cares about physical touch. And this has been a year that touch has been removed from my life in big ways. I go months and months without physically touching another human being. And earlier this year, I went through a breakup. And I remember the one thing that I thought right when we were going through the breakup was how worried I was that I wouldn't touch anyone again for a long time because he was the only person I was having like any kind of physical touch with during shelter in place. And I'm really excited to listen to the stories today about these women and how they've navigated that absent or variation of touch in their life this year. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, kind of opposite of you, when I was growing up, I I didn't grow up with a lot of touch. I'm very uncomfortable with, like, physical touch in general. So I definitely thought that I would be okay during this time, not, you know, being very physical with other people. But I realized how much I actually crave it and how important it really is. And I'm trying my best to, like, think through ways in which, you know, you can feel that same sort of intimacy with people that is achieved through touch um, in like virtual spaces and stuff. But yeah, it's really tough. And I never thought it was something that was so important in my life, but having it absent really made me value it. And so I was telling some of my friends, like when I see you guys next, I, we're going to hug, we're going to touch each other the whole time. We're going to like hold hands. And I, I'm hoping that this will get me out of my discomfort of, being more touchy with people and being more affectionate. So next time I see you, we're, we're getting into a long hug with your I consent. Love it. I, with your consent, of course. I'll ask you. Yes, with my consent. <laughs> As my pastor always says, touch your neighbor with consent. Uh, but yeah, I hope, I hope 2021 is a year of hugs. I really hope we bring hugs back. Yeah, I like that. Bring hugs back. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I have a niece and she's seven. And when she was younger, we were so, it was so easy for us to be affectionate. Um, but as she gets older, for some reason, I feel like weird about it. And I caught myself feeling weird about it, but I don't know why. And so I think like, I don't know what it is in my family with, with age. It feels like the older you get, the less affectionate you are. And I noticed that with my family, like all the adults are really affectionate with younger children. And then once we get old, it's like, you get a hug when you graduate from college, you know, <laughs> real story, y'all real story. So yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't know if you have that experience in your family at all. You all have always been very um, affectionate with one another. Yeah. I'm very um, like my family's very affectionate, but I have noticed that with society at large, you know, you think about the outrage about the picture of Joe Biden hugging his son and other, you know, men hugging their adult sons or, you know, giving them a kiss on the cheek and people say it's inappropriate, but at what point do we get to an age where we don't want to feel that love and those physical touches from the ones that we love? And I know the answer for me is there is no age that I could achieve that I wouldn't want those hugs and those kisses from my loved ones. Yeah, I got to snap out of it. <laughs> it's a weird like societal thing, I think. 
Um, yeah, it's hard, but you know, I think also sometimes it's because there are, you know, touches we like, like more than others, or, you know, ones that make us upset and, mm-hmm. uh, that we can actually play a little game and I will say something like, uh, a touch from a stranger on the subway. And then you can tell me how you feel about it. You could say cold, lukewarm, or like hot based on how you feel. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Let's go for this game. Yeah. (laughs) First one is cuddling through the night. Oh, um, I like cuddling. I do not like cuddling through the night because logistically it just makes no sense. It's uncomfortable. Um, if I were to cuddle through the night, I would want to be the big spoon. That's my preferred position. Ooh, big spoon. Okay. I didn't yeah. see that one coming. <laughs> I really value cuddling through the night as a skill in someone I'm looking to partner with. Uh, probably stems from a man I dated who would only let us cuddle for 17 seconds and he would count it down and immediately when he got to zero he would just like throw me to the side curious why 17 that's a very you know a very specific number it's truly a specific number uh we'd have to call him up and ask maybe for a future episode maybe that's like a really it's like maybe he wanted to be extra quirky or something yeah (laughs) that was not cute was not cute did not work okay next one food touching each other uh, I'm very, oh, are we doing the temperature thing on this? Yes. Uh, I'm very steamy on this. I do not mind my food touching. I love to mix stuff. Um, I like to mix flavors. Yeah. Steamy on this one or hot yeah. on this one. Yeah. I'm a hard cold. I think the food <laughs> should only mix when I want it to mix. So, you know, if I could be an adult who's still being served in those plates with the separations, I would, I would love that. You know what you want. That's all good. It's true. It's true. They can mix when I want them to. Uh, what about a pat on the head? I am very cold on this. Um, I do not like being touched on the head. I don't, I think it might, it might stem from like, I don't know where it stems from, but my family always said like, oh, you should never like touch someone on the head or like touch babies on the head. But it also, it feels a little patronizing to me. So I'm very cold on this. Not, not into it. Yeah, I feel similarly. I would say that I'm I'm cold on it, mainly because if you're patting my head, you're also touching my hair. And I definitely don't love when people touch my hair unless they have express permission <laughs> to. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think I remember one time, like you, you touched my head for some reason. And I turned over, I was like, I don't want you to touch my head. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you, you told me what you didn't like. Yeah, and yeah. I never touched your head again. Well, now that we got a chance to discuss our very particular touch preferences and also talked a bit about the tea that we are sipping, I think it's about time we get into some transitions. So can you please introduce our first story? Well, our first story is from Uni, who's a writer and full spectrum doula. And I love this piece because it just has really helped me think about like why I've been so meditative and reflective this year about touch. And Uni's voice and piece really grounds me in what true reflection of yourself can look like. Well, that just sounds incredibly beautiful. Here's Uni with, to me, this is love. I often find myself challenged by love because ultimately my life is so filled with it everywhere I look. 
One would think something seen so abundantly wouldn't confuse the heart or mind. But it's been revealed to me that love is layered and often labeled wrong, misunderstood, unseen by the average eyes. We put love that all too often is actually lust in disguise on a pedestal built with shaky hands and cloudy eyes. We idolize love that comes from the promises that may not be strong enough to be kept. And we crumble at the love that is taken when we give ourselves nakedly to the ones we've just met. Yes, of course I want my body to be touched by the hands of a lover but this body will not receive caresses at the sacrifice of being touched half-heartedly. It won't settle for anything less than being held fully in ways that make it feel most alive, most worshipped, subtly, loved, openly. This body is one that has taken the time to listen to the truth of love that is mysterious, the honesty of love that is filled with melancholy, This body is able to see it in the plants that grow and surround the path I take to and from my front door, to read it in the text and see it in the eyes that meet mine after days have passed since we were last together. To me, this is love. It's in the hearing that happens when you think no one is really listening, the seeing when you think no one is looking. Sure, I want the company of a body to curl up into when the nights are cold or to let my toes touch when it's too warm to be close, but not at the sacrifice of shifting my nighttime routines in a way that causes me to abandon the love I've created with myself. I like to sleep in the middle of the bed with a pile of blankets on top of me so that I feel heavy, weighted, closer to the earth. I like to breathe deeply and slowly to wind down, feeling into all the parts of my body, asking which ones have I overlooked that day, touching my own skin, massaging my own muscles to to alleviate my own pain, to say, thank you, I'm sorry, I love you, I see you, I forgive you, I love you. I like to stare out the tiny window that sits high above my bed and listen to the noises of nature that sneak in from an open window across the room. The chirping of the nighttime birds, the songs of the crickets, the dancing of the leaves and the trees as the wind passes through. To move my legs within the sheets and let the softness of the fabric caress my skin. To watch the morning light flicker and create patterns on the walls opposite of my bed. And imagine stories of what might be happening outside as the world wakes up, unbothered, in its own time. I like to fill the beginning, middle, and end of my days with deep breaths that move from my belly to my chest. To be fully most presently, with my own self in the ways that my body and brain ask for. To me, this is the most loving. To me, 
This is the love you can only uncover when you don't fill your time and days with a lover who isn't doing the same. This may seem selfish to another, which is why I hesitate to share my time. But this is what my love looks like, the love that no one else can give, a love I'm certain I am not ready for anyone else to mindlessly take. This love takes time, seeing, listening, mirroring, a development of trust. Obviously, I want the gift of sharing my time, body, and mind in romance, but not at the sacrifice of self-centered lust. I will stay here in the indulgence of the unfolding of time, where I will tiptoe into new beginnings and delicately consider all the types, all the options of something I've never seen. I will contemplate and analyze things that are unknown. Close my eyes and smell things I've never felt. Lose track of everything else in the world and engulf into a moment. Turn off the noise of the world outside. Taste the sweetness of every bit of the good and the bad of life that has been put upon my plate. Digest all the variations, layers, labels, gifts that have removed the disguise of short-term lust. To me, this is love. And now we'd like to welcome Uni in for a quick chit-chat. Thanks, Uni, for your amazing piece. Um, I felt like the vibe was just so warm and comfortable and it made me feel so cozy. Um, I was listening to it at the end of my day. Um, and so I was just imagining, you know, as you were speaking into this, I was just thinking about, I wonder what your room or your environment was like, um, you know, what kind of smells or ambiance or vibe was there. So would love if you'd be willing to share, you know, what kind of um, environment you like to create for yourself in order to achieve this level of comfort within the body. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, um, one, for reading the piece and hearing the piece and just kind of welcoming me into this space. Um, I think to answer your question, a lot of what my space looks and feels like is things that make me feel calm and comfortable and grounded. So I try to leave a lot of open floor space um, because that's where I like to be the most. Um, whenever I'm writing or reading or thinking or just like listening and observing, I keep more like yellow lights versus bright white lights. And I think that it really just, for me, it sets a nice calming, comforting effect. And I like to have a lot of houseplants and greenery inside because I really connect with nature. So as much of nature as I can bring in, whether it's living plants or dried herbs or leaves or just just things that maybe I've collected along the way in life, I try to keep it as clear and clean of clutter as possible. That varies depending on, you know, what's going on in my brain and in my space. And you'll always find like a lot of books and a lot of notebooks and a lot of, a lot of things to write with because I'm first a like tactile writer versus writing with like my devices. I feel like my creativity and my 
really the release of whatever whatever's forming in my brain comes out best whenever I'm using a pen and paper. I love that. That really resonates with me. Writing for me always first is on paper and pen and, you know, really, I feel like forming my words that way really helps me just like grasp them more and want to write like more deeply. And so just your practice is something that really resonates with me. It's really beautiful. I just moved and trying to decide what do you keep and what do you get rid of? And I have two boxes of notebooks that are <laughs> half of the more than half of them are written in. And then there's like also a pile of notebooks that I've just collected for future use. And it's just kind of, it feels silly, but that out of all the things that I need in my life, that's one of them. I'm the yeah, same I way. I, I have notebooks that may never get written in, but they will never be thrown away. <laughs> yeah, they, they like represent moments in your life. Like I look at a notebook, I'm like, whoo, we went through some rough times in grad school together. Uh, or another one, I'm like, wow, I wrote all these beautiful poems and that. And there's beauty, I think, in those like empty pages too. And so I've stopped forcing myself to finish a notebook before I get another because sometimes that notebook has, you know, plays its role in the time of my life it's in. And so even just like thinking about like the beauty and um, like pages of books, one thing I like just love about your piece and just your voice is so calming as well is that you find so much appreciation in the beauty of everyday life. And so I'd love to hear about like, what's your practice of appreciating things that other people would find mundane or repetitive? I think like I'm a really curious person by nature. I always have been. I've always been someone that sits back and watches. Um, like I don't consider myself a wallflower, but <laughs> if I were to relate to like the party personality, that would be me because I'm standing back and kind of looking and observing and listening and watching. And that used to be a part of my personality that I found like challenging because, you know, like. I thought I needed to be something else, but now I feel like that's a part of my personality that I appreciate the most. In my like day-to-day, -day, I really just try to find as much stillness and time as possible. So whenever I wake up, and I like to wake up early in the morning, like I wake up naturally between like five and seven, usually without an alarm, and usually I'll just lay in bed for a while and think. Um, I started, you know, a few months ago at the beginning of this year, I started beginning my days and ending my days with just saying gratitude. So I do a silly thing. <laughs> I do a silly thing in the morning where um, as I'm like, after I brush my teeth and as I'm like warming up, you know, hot water for tea or coffee, I'll just sing a little song and I'm like, good morning, beautiful day. Good morning, beautiful day. And it makes me giggle and it makes me smile. But it also just reminds me that like I have a choice of like determining what is good or what is not and what's beautiful and what's not. And so I do that and I try to take time to like look at the things in my space, look at the things as I'm passing them. Um, I'll take walks around the block and I really try to spend time just observing the plants and observing the people and observing the animals along the way. Because I feel like that's something that we get pushed out of doing with digital media and jobs and responsibilities of, you know, we always are looking for the next best thing. But there's beauty in just being in this exact moment because 
that's where we are. And that's something that I easily forget. So as, as often as possible, I try to try to find things that make me remember, like I am in this moment right here, right now. I love your song. (laughs) (laughs) I might try that. So you sing it out loud. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's like a part of my practice too, of just like finding confidence in my expression, you know, like Mm -hmm. singing activates your throat chakra and that is like expression and that's linked to my creativity and my like releasing of it. So I try, I try to sing it aloud, even if it, even if I have like a raspy morning voice or if it's out of tune or whatever. And if it's out of tune, I just like giggle at myself because no one's there. No one can hear me. And if they do, maybe they'll want to sing it too. <laughs> oh, I love that. also love how you have just intentionally slowed yourself down. And one of the people I just really admire is just like the Nat ministry and everything that she says um, about how important it is for us to rest and to slow down and to make sure that we are resisting this grind. And so, you know, I like really felt it in my chest when you were talking about really just stopping to appreciate the beauty of everything around you. And that's something that I'm really striving to do myself. And also would love to know what's good. What, what happens at 5am? I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want. That's why it's so amazing because most of the world is sleeping or they're planning or they're doing and it's just my time, you know, like I don't have any obligations to anyone. I actually started that practice about six years ago. I had come to California for a month with a friend for a visit and she worked in the stock market on the East coast. So she had 4.30 AM calls every day. So she had us up at 4.30 doing things. And so whenever I went back to Miami um, where I was living at the time, I was naturally up super early and in Miami, everyone was going to bed whenever I was waking up. Cause it's like, you know, it was, I mean, pre COVID time, like party land and that was the ways. Um, so it was just kind of nice. I would get up and I would go to the park. I'd do a run or do a walk. I'd watch the sunrise and it was just really nice to be like, okay, I have no responsibilities to anyone or anything in this moment right now. And I can do whatever I want. And I feel like that just allowed me to reassess my priorities with what I'm putting, like putting my energy into, but also how I'm like navigating myself through the world. So while we're on the topic of Miami, um, amazing city, I've only had a chance to visit it once, but I really had a lovely time and there's a sort of, um, romance and lustiness about it, you know, in the way that it's portrayed in TV and in books and in my own very small personal experience. So on that topic, you know, your one of your first lines talks about lust versus love. So would love to hear, you know, were there specific moments that inspired, you know, that line or this piece in general that you were calling into as you were thinking about writing this piece? I mean, I spend a lot of time just thinking about relationship, not in any particular form, you know, just relation, like one person connecting with another person or thing. So just relationship overall. And I think a lot of 
what I've observed and experienced and also just like portrayed over the years has been a lot more lust filled versus deep love filled. And so I was, whenever I was writing this piece, I was really just reflecting on how I've navigated through life, um, you know, circling back to how am I slowing down? How am I being most in the moment? How am I like really taking in everything around me? Like journey versus destination vibe. And I feel like I've observed and like grown very much into a journey person. I just recently went camping and I was giggling with friends saying, I'm very much a journey person. Like we could never get to where we're going if I were in charge of this trip because I would stop every single place to look at every single thing. And so I think that for me, just over the last few years as I've really been assessing and exploring and like finding more truth and honesty in what I feel that love is versus what I've been portraying or maybe accepted. I feel like that's kind of where that line began. And it was just kind of like a play on, okay, what could love look like if it weren't limited to this thing that I thought it was before? What could love look like if I looked for it in everything that I connect with? What could love look like if it weren't limited only to a romantic partner or only to a time, you know? Yeah, I love that. It's just, I think just exploring relationships in general and redefining that for ourselves is so important. Uh, one thing I have a friend, Amber, and she always talks about uh, the beauty and the love uh, and the physicality of platonic relationships and exploring that and just being, you know, open more to those kind of things instead of just the one way we've defined relationships in our lives. So I love that you're just thinking about what does that mean for you and, and what does that look like? Um, I think especially in a year where relationships have been defined by the pandemic in terms of who we are staying home with, who we can see, who we can't see, who we can touch, who we can't touch. I feel like this has especially been a year myself and many others have been thinking about what are those relationships in our life that help us thrive, uh, especially in these unique uh, and very difficult times. Definitely. And I um, like my I feel like my situation was unique comparative to maybe a lot of people's like I'm single I live alone um, or I did I just moved in with roommates but as I wrote this piece and throughout the majority of the pandemic I was alone um, so just really exploring okay how do I find connection how do I find how do I find like all the things that maybe I'm longing for in one way or another right here, like in my tiny box of <laughs> of the living space that I'm living in. I mean, this piece was really fun to write. It was really fun to just kind of find gratitude and appreciation in the details, but also challenge myself to communicating maybe some of the ways that I feel um, whenever I'm singing my songs or doing my tasks or taking my walks in a way that maybe others could visualize or feel. 
Yeah, that's, I love that. So uni as a writer myself, I love to just kind of like play around with writers and their words and how they think about things and what, you know, again, what I love about your piece is just being able to take a simple thing and make it so poetic. I'm like, I want to be doing that right now, even though if you just told it to me in a simple way, I'd be like, I'll do that later. So what I'd love to do is just like, I just want to feed you a line of something mundane that you might do or simple in life. And would love to see how you you change that into something poetic that entices someone to want to do it. So are you up for that? Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> Great. Uh, the first one is turning the pages of a book. One cover in each hand. I pull apart the pages to find the piece, to find the space that I just marked. As my eyes skim from top to bottom, word to word, sentence to sentence, paragraph to paragraph. I absorb all of the things that have come to form a story that I never knew before. As I reach the bottom, my hands separates the pages so I only hold one. And as I approach the last word, I turn to continue reading more. Lovely. That was beautiful. <laughs> That's, I'm amazed. That was amazing how I thought you were going to come up with one line, but you came up with a whole poem. <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. Thank you so much. I feel so warm and cozy and you have good. some really amazing tips that I want to try. Odelia, I think we should try the 5 a.m. waking up. No. Um, you know, oh, they, they say, her head. <laughs> no, it, it is something I should do because I am affected when we don't have as much sunlight. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to combat it is to wake up earlier. I think we should try it and for like a week and then we can talk about it on our next episode. So that'll give okay. us some incentive to do it. And okay. Uni, we'll have to update you. I am such a late bird. I love to stay up late and wake up late but I do think I am more effective during the daytime. Whenever I like struggle with getting up, really like for me, it's putting myself to bed. So I set my bedtime alarm so that I can mm -hmm. get myself into a nighttime routine and go to bed so that I can wake up and not feel tired. But a trick for, as you maybe try it out for the first week, Leave yourself enough time that you could take a morning nap. <laughs> so okay. sometimes whenever I wake up too early, I'll just take a nap at like 8 a.m. <laughs> from like 8 to 9. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to start my day with the normal people. <laughs> okay, leave enough time for a nap. Well, thanks again so much for being with us. I'm excited to see any other pieces that you come out with. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. And I yeah. look forward to hearing it whenever it comes out. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Our next story is from storyteller and activist Ren, who speaks to us about going through a breakup during the pandemic. I've never been good at confrontation. I avoid it like the plague. I'm passive aggressive socially awkward, and terrified of disappointing people. A combination that results in running away from conversations that start with, we have to talk. But during this pandemic, 
I had to face those four little words head on. When the first lockdown happened in March, he went home to Houston and I went back to Seattle. We were separated by two time zones and hundreds of miles. Every time we talked, I felt on edge, seconds away from an outburst of anger. I was always emotional, always will be, but his apathy frustrated me. And it wasn't just because of quarantine. Before the pandemic, he didn't care. During the pandemic, he doesn't care. And after the pandemic, he won't care. He didn't care about social issues the way I did. He didn't care about his future while I planned every detail with backups for the backups. I can remember one time where we argued for hours and hours about how he needed to do more than the status quo, how he needed to join clubs and make friends beyond our small circle, how he needed to try harder in school to get better grades. I did all of these things and more, and I thrived with my knowledge, accomplishments, and connections. I knew we were different, but I put it aside to fulfill my desire to be less alone. But now, everything was heightened. I started avoiding him, and the weird thing was, I relished the peace. In those weeks without him, I was happy. I buried myself in my schoolwork, striving for a 4.0 for the semester, which I did get in the end. I watched TV and movies without feeling judged for my peculiar tastes. I answered to nobody, and I didn't want to change a thing. As I watched more movies with happy couples and happier endings, I craved that beautiful romance for myself. I'm not pretty, not smart, not amazing, not like them. I didn't think I would get those beautiful romances because I'm not one of those beautiful people. And with him, it wasn't the romance I wanted. Those movies planted the seed of our breakup in my mind. I kept ignoring it, hoping it would go away. It didn't go away, though. It stayed and got stronger. The desire to break up kept rising and rising until I sat down and really, truly thought about it. What if I did it now? What if I waited until the pandemic was over? What if I did it over text, over a phone call, over Zoom? I played out the scenarios in my mind like I always do. And the answer became clear. I'm not proud of what I did next. In fact, you might hate me for what I did next because someone did it to you. 
but I don't regret what I did. It was cowardly, yes, but it was the way I wanted to do things. I wanted to own my story. So when he texted me, if everything was okay, I said no. And I broke up with him. Over text. I cried a lot while I did it. But I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to arguments about fundamental parts of myself. I didn't want to ignore our vast differences. I didn't want to pretend to be happy for his sake. I was done. I regret how I did it. I should have at least called. I didn't, though. And here I am, months later, still enjoying my freedom. We haven't talked. I don't want to. I just want to move on. I've considered downloading Tinder or Bumble for the first time to see what online dating is like, but haven't, because I want to focus on myself. I jumped quickly into that relationship because I was lonely. I was desperate to prove that I could be loved. But now, I want to work on building up my self-confidence before I try to love somebody else. So, here I am. In the middle of this pandemic, still socially awkward, still bad at confrontation, but a little bit wiser, a little bit stronger because of my first big life-changing choice. Ren, Ren, Ren. First of all, welcome. And second, that piece really spoke to me. I too broke up with someone during the pandemic who did not care as much as I thought they should about social justice issues. And I tried to make it work and I just couldn't. And I just love in the piece how you focused on yourself above trying to make room for someone who you knew you didn't need to make room for. And as a woman of color, I think that's something that we don't often do is take the space back from someone who's taking up too much of it. And I want to hear about what's your favorite thing you learned about yourself in taking back that space from someone who didn't deserve it. Man, I don't know. Like, I guess one thing too is just, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't deserve it. It just felt like, our circles and our spaces just were so different and it was really hard to relegate that difference. But I think in terms of the best thing that I learned about myself about the breakup um, was really just the ability to respect my boundaries. And that was like one of the first major decisions that I made that was truly selfish in a lot of ways, but it was truly about me and understanding who I wanted to be as a person. And it was kind of difficult doing like understanding what I wanted and understanding exactly how I wanted things to go but when I finally did it it felt not necessarily like a burden lifting but it felt so much lighter because I I knew that I'd made this decision for myself to respect my boundaries 
I always heard so many stories about people saying like, oh, you should self-care and like take care of yourself. Like, yes, it's important to have people in your life, but if someone's toxic, cut them out. I don't feel like he was necessarily toxic, but it was kind of that kind of that experience. And so I felt very proud of myself of really respecting who I was and understanding what I wanted in life and being able to have the bravery to take that step and say, hey, this is this isn't working out. Yeah, I love that. You know, like there's, you know, sometimes it's not even that someone is, is toxic. It's just that, like you said, you're respecting your space and and finding out just like making that room for other things that you want to do. So that's really great. Yeah. And I think taking care of yourself first and foremost, I've never considered that to be selfish. You know, I think sometimes like we feel like, oh, if I prioritize myself over others, then that's a selfish act. But My grandmother has always taught me that if you don't look after yourself, no one else will. Um, So I really loved your piece um, because, you know, it didn't seem like there was anything terribly wrong with the relationship. There was like a lot of things where it wasn't clicking. It wasn't, um, he wasn't fulfilling you in a lot of ways. But, you know, sometimes people feel like they need to break up if something really bad happened. And what I love about this is you're like, you know what, this is just not serving me. I'm not having, I'm not finding this joy and this like freedom by being with this person. So that really spoke to me because especially during this time, you know, we, we want to have people around us. We want to have relationships, but sometimes it's better to just be alone um, than it is with someone who is kind of taking up the space that you could be saving for yourself. For sure. For sure. That was something that kind of weighed into my decision of when I did it. I kept thinking, could I last this summer? Especially at that point in time, I, I really wasn't talking to him and I was just, could I last this summer with this radio silence and having him reaching out and saying, Hey, can we chat? Can we call? And I didn't really want to do any of that. I was like, could I even last, you know, the rest of my 2020 doing that and just dealing with that? And my answer was no, not really. I wanted to move on in life. I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. And speaking of moving on, I'm sure there's many people listening to this podcast right now who also went through a breakup during the, you know, ongoing pandemic. So how did you move on? What are the things that you did post breakup? the first thing I did was I really allowed myself to feel the emotions previously. Like I, this was my first like big serious relationship. I'd only had one smaller one in the past and I never really, that one was so quick. I didn't really consider it to be very serious. And so I just allowed myself to feel sad to have lost something that I basically put over a year of effort and love and care into. So allowing myself to feel those emotions was the first big thing, but After that, in general, I'm a very, like, I move on very flexible, go with the flow type person. But after that was just finding joy in other things. For me, as a person who loves writing films and things like that, I was enjoying watching Netflix and Hulu. Like, yeah, I was watching some of, like, the really bad rom-coms and just taking in that experience and saying it's okay if relationships aren't perfect my relationship wasn't perfect. But I think the biggest thing was allowing myself to feel the emotions and then 
really being able to find other outlets for all the things that I was feeling and being able to express myself in a more positive manner instead of just keeping it all bottled inside. I was able to like, you know, write this piece, was able to reflect on that through different mediums, especially for me, writing is a really big medium that I use to express my emotions. So it was really great putting these words onto paper and having them spoken into the universe. Like these were the things that I was feeling. These were the emotions I was going through. It was really therapeutic. When you had written this piece, you had mentioned that you haven't talked and you didn't plan to. I'm curious now that some time has passed, have you talked or do you plan on ever reaching out again? So I, he reached out to me like I think a month after the breakup and was like, hey, can we still be friends? And honestly, I didn't know the answer. I am still physically not even close to where he lives. So I didn't really plan on talking to him, but things got really awkward because he ends up being in one of my classes. And it turns out, I found out a couple of days ago that he's going to be in my group for our final project. Oh. <laughs> and this is through so Zoom, it's right? Be like interesting. A Zoom <laughs> yeah, this is a fully online Zoom class. Um, it's not just me and him, it's not just partners. We have two other people in the group. But it'll be really interesting because since then, like even because we even though we were in class together, we haven't talked. Like I didn't reach out to him. I talked to some of my other classmates more than I talked to him in this class. And so it'll it'll be interesting. Um, So to answer your question, we haven't talked, did not plan to talk, but ended up happening that by chance we were pushed into this class together and by chance we were put into this group together. At one point I was like, should I tell the professor that I don't want to be in his group? Will, Will he ask questions? Will my professor ask questions? But then I was like, nah, that's, that's going to be too suspicious. Um, and I like this professor too much to, to have him dislike me for, for these like personal relationship troubles. But I don't know. We'll see, how, we'll see how that project goes out. We're just starting it. So fingers crossed, nothing's really bad. But I don't know if it'll be great. We'll see. <laughs> I think that sounds like the making of your next writing piece we need a a guidebook like zoom etiquette for breakups you know like when I see my ex on a zoom like should I hide all the people should I like take my camera off like we need to know like we're living in this new world Mm -hmm. where zoom and these videos are big part of my life so I would appreciate this guidebook on uh, (laughs) zoom etiquette for breakups in a lot of ways, I don't think either of us got closure and it's made it to when I do see them, it's very strange and awkward. But at the same time, I think too much time has passed for us to get closure, like proper closure. And in a lot of ways, I'm still, I'm still socially awkward and I don't know how to approach that conversation. I don't even know how to start like, hey, we're in the same group together. Hey, we're in the same class together. Let's start this conversation. I don't know. I think that I wouldn't be able to write this guide very well. I I would just be way too awkward and very passive aggressive about the whole experience. And that honesty that you bring is is really important and really great too. One of the parts that I really love about your piece is when you pause and you tell us that you might not like this and you might hate me for this, but I broke up with him over text. And, you know, many of us have been there, whether we're the ones who sent it or on the other side and has found it really refreshing to just hear you be honest about that. 
that's something that I've been trying to, especially since starting college, is just being honest with myself and others. I have realized how much I hate dishonesty and I hate lying. And then that was part of it too with the breakup was it took me time. Like, although I feel like I wrote it came very instantaneous, but it took me like weeks and I think like a whole month when the idea was like sewn into my head and like processing it and really thinking about it. And it took me a while to even just say it, to write it down in like my journal But when I did, I was so relieved because I was actually being honest with myself instead of saying, oh, it'll work out, it'll work out. And I I mentally go through every bad situation and in my head, bad situation was staying and the bad situation was being together. And as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking back to the theme that we had put out there and it was physical touch. But just hearing you talk about this and processing all of it, it seems like, you know, you were so in touch with yourself. Um, more so than kind of an emphasis on the um, physical touch component. So um, I'm just curious, you know, like over time, um, how have you become so in touch with yourself? Like what have you been, what what are things that you do to kind of listen to your body, listen to your intuition, listen to your gut? Because I'm sure, you know, we all know people or we may have been people who have been in relationships for longer than, you know, their expiration date the biggest ways I've, I've, I mean, I'm an only child. So spending time alone with my thoughts has been a big part of my childhood and all these different parts of my life. So I kind of got used to really taking that time to think by myself with my thoughts. I think that's part of how I became so introspective, but part of it too is I'm always trying to see the opportunities for growth and the opportunities to learn from my my weaknesses and from my failures and from my experiences in general. And over time, that's kind of made me more introspective and more self-reflective. Yeah, there's been just so much time that, you know, I myself have just spent with myself during the pandemic and just getting to know myself even more intimately than I have before. And the things that create certain feelings in me has been really just phenomenal. And the relationships that we definitely need to be cultivating are are certainly ones that we have with ourselves and being able to, you know, as Venus said, like have that inner, you know, touch with our feelings beyond just the physical. So it's really great to just see how your stories intertwined with so many ideas of touch and, and missing touch and new touch during this time. Thank you so much, Rand, for sharing your story. We just really enjoyed spending some time getting to know you a little bit better. No problem. This is great. Well, Odelia, I'm getting to my final sip here. It's been so much fun to hear these stories, to speak with these writers. And I'm probably on my like second or third steep of the big red robe. And what's interesting about tea is that, you know, you can continue steeping it after you've had it once or twice and the taste changes. And sometimes in the instance of this tea, it gets even better. So I'm hoping that serves as a metaphor for our future episodes um, and this coming year to come. 
Yeah, and just hearing you talk about the changing flavors of the tea and how it can still be just as delicious even as the flavor changes reminds me so much of what I thought 2020 was going to be when we first entered it. Like this was going to be my year of reflection. I was, you know, my faith is really important to me. I was sitting back and thinking, okay, God, like, okay, universe, like I want to know what's next in my life. And then boom, pandemic. And I was like, this isn't quite the change that I asked for, but it's really had me sit still and not travel as much as I do for work and sit with my emotions that I often don't sit with. And it's really helped me connect to pieces of my life that have been on the back burner. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm excited to share the other stories in season one of the podcast of how the identities of women of color have played into the transitions that they've experienced this year. So as we're transitioning out of this episode, what do you want to leave our listeners with? I would love to leave the listeners with a deep sense of appreciation for self. This pandemic this year has really asked us to sit with ourselves and appreciate who we are and how far our body, no matter what shape it is in, has helped us to come this far. And I remember a ritual I did with a friend in which she had us look at our hands and appreciate the shape, the formation of them. And we touched our hands together and we washed them and we lotioned them. And we just sat in this knowledge of everything that we're creating, everything we touch, we create. And so I want the listener to think about what are you creating yesterday, today, tomorrow, and to believe that you are creating in everything that you touch and in everything that you are. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks for leaving us with that. Well, I'm sending you a huge virtual hug. Ah, the safest kind around. The safest kind. Huge, huge, huge. And I'll, I'll chat with you soon. Thank you for listening to TN Transitions. Brewing great stories down to the very last drop.